Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and my guest is nobody. All by myself. In fact, well, we've got a couple people in the chat here. Um, Let's see. I have not been. uh, This is a heads up. So I just got a text from Ben Hansen. Um, Because he's got a new TV show called UFO Witness on the Discovery Channel. In fact, his co-host is Mark O'Connell, who wrote the uh, book on Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And uh, it ought to be a good show. Ben's awesome. He's a good buddy. And uh, we're just coordinating that. In fact, that interview is going to be for Den of Geek uh, next week with Ben. But I'll have more. And I'll do some updates. And why don't we do that? Let's do some updates. I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily that organized, uh, you know, today. In fact, look at Dirk is saying no warning on this one. I did give a little bit of a warning, but not much. You're right. Uh, And the reason is it has been kind of it's just been a confusing mess. Um, So let me get into that. First of all, like with Doug, Doug. Uh, Smythe, who, of course, we do the What is Doug reading typically show every week, and we haven't done that in last month. He's got that shave company, right? And I didn't use his razors this morning, as you can tell. And I'll talk about that, too. Uh, but hello, Simone and Ant and and Texas and Stacy and everybody who's jumping in there. Good to see you all. Glad you can join us. In fact, I'm going to need your help. So I'm so happy that you guys are all getting in here. Uh, because I'm not as organized as I should be, and there's so much UFO news that has gone on in the last four weeks, please do put your questions in the chat if you're joining live, and I'll get to your questions as we go along. Uh, and I want to be sure, because a lot of people are, are curious about a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize there were some things that I wasn't as excited about just because there's a lot of false information going on out there, too. But a lot of exciting and not so exciting. uh, We'll get all into that. But, yeah, Mr. Douglas Smythe wasn't able to join us because he's so busy. He uh, has that shave company and he they go crazy during the holidays. Um, Hello, Christian. And so and Terry from Oregon. Um. So he's been swamped, just crazy swamped. Uh, Martin, unfortunately, everybody send him some good juju. He may be watching or listening. I'm not sure, but he's not feeling good. Uh, So he just starting yesterday, I guess. So he wasn't able to join either, but we'll have him next week. And I'll definitely update you on Martin and how he's doing uh, as I find out. So, so stay tuned there too. But let's get into it. First, I want to talk about some of the things out there that I've been up to that you can enjoy. Um, First of all, being if you didn't see it for the holidays, essentially, 
I have this lecture that I've uh, created many years ago um, based off of an article I did in Open Minds magazine called UFOs and Religion. So how you how religions are dealing with the idea of aliens and, and extraterrestrials, um, what they think of it, like, is it okay? You know, if I'm Mormon, is it okay if I believe in aliens? It is. And I go over all of this kind of thing in that lecture. And I also talk about how it, the belief in extraterrestrials is kind of spawning these new religions. Um, very similar to uh, some of you might have read the book by Diana Posolka. And I know she got into some of that as well, which I think is really interesting. You know, we talk about kind of the, the Jungian context concepts and stuff like that around that topic so that is a rojas reports that is still out oh and stacy Wright, she watched it she said that's one of my favorite lectures of yours thank you stacy i know i think it's really interesting and uh you know one idea and we live through this right now and we'll get into this a bit too is that the ideas of extraterrestrials, Jung kind of talked about archetypes. There are kind of supernatural archetypes that we refer to and we kind of use to explain things that we don't understand, but also where we will believe that we receive information, you know, good things happen, weird things happen, and we don't know what to subscribe that to, you know, why that is happening. And a lot of people use religion to do that. But now extraterrestrials are kind of the new thing you know, uh, Giorgio Sukalos is kind of the the meme that represents exactly what I'm talking about in that, you know, I don't, well, I don't know what it is. And I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. It's kind of our new bucket where we put the unknown and, and why things have happened. So I think that that's going to be a, uh, something to watch as we go in these two directions. We go in the direction of legitimate research in discovering what's going on which is happening out there at a pace that's unheard of. In fact, right now I'm reading, reading Avi Loeb's book. Uh, he is the scientist that worked at uh, Harvard who made all of this uh, muck, you know, excitement about this object that came through, Oumuamua, that turned out to be uh, something interstellar and something strange that we can't understand. And he's convinced that it is extraterrestrial technology. We'll get into that in just a bit. I'm reading that book now. It's great. I don't think the book's out. I got a preview copy because I'm supposed to be interviewing him soon. So that'll be an exciting Rojas report coming out. Um, but as we move from, you know, science doing some research and then, of course, the mythology side, the people who believe they're hearing voices, people who are just kind of subscribing things to the extraterrestrial uh, uh concept or people are lying you know the hoaxers and the charlatans but they create this whole belief system and you you know uh and where do those intersect and, and what's going on and uh uh you know it's just an interesting future and as i review in that talk that's not going away if anything all of this is going to grow more and more and more and the idea of extraterrestrials uh will definitely be more part of everybody's lives, not just those of us who have been interested in this topic. And um, not only that, you know, uh, who knows where the science and the research will go? Who knows what we'll discover? I mean, for goodness sakes, is Harvard astronomer saying, you know, bucking the entire academic, academic field by saying, this has got to be aliens. Why is he saying that? We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, right now we're reviewing some of the stuff out there. I also did an interview 
um, with Tony Harris. And I'm going to get this. If you haven't seen it, um, some of our people who are in our chat sometimes are on the show. And I think they've got some great people on the show. Uh, let's, I'll just grab a picture. Or no, here's the History Channel um, site on it. And I want to show this to you. Let me share my screen. Gonna share my screen. This is my share my screen music. Boo, 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 boo. You like that? There we go. Here we go. So there we go. Um, there's a website on the History Channel for the show. Uh, right now, there's a couple episodes you could see. I've been able to see three episodes. This is the guy I interviewed, Tony Harris. Like it says here, he's an, an Emmy Award-winning journalist and filmmaker. He's great. Uh, you know, I really like him for the show because he is a journalist. And you kind of get that sense from the show. Um, in the show, you know, he's like really grilling people. And you've got researchers that we're familiar with. People like Mark D'Antonio, um, Chase Kletsky, uh, you know, who else is on there? Tim McMillan, um, MJ Benias. And if you don't know who these people are, when I rattle off these names, they are people I've interviewed even fairly recently. Um, so you can find my interviews with these guys, but they're all researchers and very credible and great researchers in this field. And I think they're making some really good calls too. Uh, there's only one UFO video so far that they believe is legit and uh, I agree with them. It's a really interesting one. So uh, check that out uh, there. Um, UFO witnesses on Discovery Plus, someone saying, yeah. So my interview uh, with Ben Hansen next week will be about his new show, UFO Witness. He's a host on that. He's a former FBI agent. Um, he's been doing lots of paranormal television and uh, about UFOs and stuff. He's a very good personal friend of mine uh, and Karen's and uh, his family. And um, I'm really excited for the show coming up. So I would say follow my Twitter. And in fact, this is going to be our guide today. Uh, I should never look. Now someone said something else to me. Do, 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 do. Oh, he's asking. Mm, this is a controversial, but I'll do it. Do you consider Stephen Greer a credible source or authority on UFOs, UAPs? I do. Well, in a way. I do consider him, uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, an authority to some extent. Unfortunately, he uh, I wouldn't say follow him because his information these days has gotten really poor, to be quite on honest. Um, I think he's muddled a lot of stuff. Uh, and now he's not so much as a researcher as a marketer, marketing his things and what he's up to and himself and a lot of accuracy uh, has getting lost in the mix. So he's not a very accurate person, uh, I would say, personally. Uh, but yeah, here's my YouTube and uh, so or my Twitter, and we'll kind of be following this. So I highly recommend you follow uh, at least my Open Minds Twitter. In fact, I want to update you guys on this too. I don't do politics uh, on this show so much. Um, I do science. So if you consider the fact that global warming is a thing or, you know, COVID, if you consider those uh, political, that's up to you. But uh, they're science. Science doesn't care about politics. Science cares about truth and facts. And uh, so this is a science show. But 
I'm going to be doing a lot of my open mind stuff, including my UFO news, because I, I post a lot of UFO news here on my Twitter about what's going on. In fact, uh, here's a picture of Stan Friedman that Stan Friedman's uh, nephew posted recently of Stan Friedman doing a talk in 1971. Stan Friedman, an astrophysicist uh, who lectured about this topic for many years, a great friend. Uh, he's amazing. He uh, really brought credibility to the field and carried this field for quite some time, serious research into it. Uh, very sad that he passed away fairly recently. And, you know, we're all still reeling from that, I think. But um, yeah, so this is the kind of stuff you'll see. Uh, although you're going to see more of this, you're going to see more on mine of, uh, of space and space policy, maybe a little bit of politics, but not so much, you know, deep, deep, like, you know, trying to be bipartisan, just more about, you know, what's going on with space policy and those sort of things, especially with some of the news that we've gotten today. So uh, you will probably see uh, the percentage of UFO stuff on my Alejandro T. Rojas wane a bit, but uh, I'll do more. UFO news tweets on the Open Minds um, Twitter. You can see here where we have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. Thank you guys for following. Just so you're aware, depending on your interest, you know, you can follow whichever. If you saw last week, I did post my political Twitter because I do have one. I won't even reference it or go there. If you want to know more about that, let me know and I can let you know, but I don't want to... Um, go there here. But yeah, I would say do follow the Twitter and I'll be looking at my Twitter to remind me of what stories that we want to talk about today. So those are kind of some updates. Uh, as far as the Rojas reports go, I will have some interviews coming up. Hopefully Doug next week will be able to free himself up and, and do interviews with us today. Uh, more recent Rojas reports I want to do are, you know, Adam Kehoe, who I interviewed not too long ago. He's got a couple of excellent excellent things out uh, right now. And I'm going to show you because I want you to read them. And if you read them, then when we do our interview, uh, you will be able to um, be more familiar with his work and what he's talking about. If you don't read them, that's fine too, because we will summarize what's in his stories. But he's got two great stories recently that are really, really important for the UFO field, I believe. And they are right here. Um, analyzing the nearly lost hatch database. So if you all uh, are familiar, if you follow Open Minds very closely, uh, we had David Marler. He's an excellent researcher. Um, he's got one of the biggest databases of research uh, information. And uh, a couple of years ago, he wrote for us at Open Minds in a piece about Larry Hatch, who is a researcher who unfortunately passed away and was little known, even though he created uh, this incredible database of over 18,000 cases. And he's well known to UFO researchers. And that's what... Uh, um, Adam is reviewing here what's in those files, who's read those files. Um, and like you see here, when Jacques Vallée described the history of UFO data collection efforts to a French government group, he prominently mentioned a name that is purposely obscure, even to UFO ufologist Larry Hatch. So um, we go over that. Someone says, uh, love David Marler's brain. He does have a great brain. 
Um, I haven't looked at it physically. I would like to uh, examine it one day. Um, you know, I think science needs to take it and do that. But yeah, he's awesome. He's amazing. Of course, we've had him on the show and I talked to him quite a bit because he's just uh, one of my favorites. But that's a really great article. The other article that's really important. And in fact, we will probably do two separate shows on one on each of these articles is what do the Russians know? Um, what do the Russians know about UFOs? What have they actually done when it comes to investigating UFOs? And remember, what we're looking for are facts. There's a lot of rumors about what the Russians did or about the Russians, what the Russians know. But we're going to talk about what we can establish with documents and, and you know, what we can establish as fact of, around all of this. And Adam's done, I think, one of the best jobs I've seen – on that, in this article here, and we'll talk about that, Christian Bo Thompson says, ask George Knapp. Well, we have asked George Knapp. And in fact, um, George Knapp plays very heavy into this article by Adam. And Adam references George Knapp quite a bit because, as you probably know, Christian, who mentioned that, George Knapp actually went to Russia and retrieved some documents. However, he wasn't the only one to do that. And I think you'll be really surprised who else has done it and what they've gotten hint. Some of you remember the new show primetime popular news magazine. Yeah, really good stuff there. So we'll be looking at that. So we've got some great Rojas reports coming up. Uh, you know, I haven't asked him yet, but I want to have Micah Thomas or Micah Hanks. Uh, you know, I've had the, there's a new great website called the debrief. Let's look at that too. I like bringing these up again, all this great work and letting you guys see it. Um, the debrief. This isn't briefs. Uh, if you're a guy looking to shop for no, new briefs, that's not what this is about. This is actually a new website that uh, some of the people I interview quite a bit, MJ Benayas and Tim McMillan, uh, have put together with others, including Micah Hanks is also a primary uh, to put this website together. As you can see here, they cover science, tech, space, defense, aerospace, lots of cool stuff. And of course, they, they also cover UFOs. We've talked about them lately. But I want to get Micah Hanks on the show, the third person. Uh, I've already interviewed MJ and, and Tim recently. But uh, Micah's great also. Of course, I've interviewed Micah quite a bit. But uh, I love the guy. It's always great to have him back. He's another great mind in this field. So we'll do that. So that's the kind of thing you can see coming up. In the Rojas reports. Okay, so there's some questions coming in. Let's do this. First of all, uh, Mr. Ramirez, you're asking, do I know about Alfred O'Donnell? I do not. That name does not sound familiar. If you can enlighten me with some details, maybe that'll jog my memory. But there's a couple questions here. Um, that is what the guys who, let's see, who bailed on TTSA are doing. So, yes, there's some people who left the TTSA. What do I think will come out of the UAPTF reports? Okay. So these are great questions and some of the stuff that we want to talk about. So, first of all, um, along these news, I had talked about earlier on uh, to follow my Twitter 
And here's exactly why you want to do that. Because if you are curious about the UFO news, I posted it here and on my own, Mystery Wire. So we talked about George Knapp a little bit ago. George Knapp is a journalist uh, out of Las Vegas, KLAS. He's been there for decades. He's won many, many awards, and he's into UFOs. In fact, he's one of the really uh, most prolific and uh, best UFO researchers out there. I mean, he's a real investigative journalist, and he takes that talent uh, and that uh, state of, of, of mind to the UFO field. Uh, he has also created and his network this thing called the Mystery Wire. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of it. The reason I say that is, look, 5,000 followers, that's not many. The Mystery Wire, for some reason, hasn't really taken off yet. And I, I think it's probably because they haven't really gotten it out there enough for people to know about it. But I would highly recommend it. Uh, they cover all kinds of different UFO stuff. Here's a post from Jeremy Corbell. Uh, here's, uh, you know, others talking about the story that I'm just about to talk to that they posted today, which is this report. And I won't play it here, but, uh, I will show you their website, uh, so we can look at this and this report's important and it's going to partially answer your question there, my friend, um, which is. I would highly recommend that everybody watch this video. So there's a video here George Knapp put together uh, about what's going on right now with the UAP task force. And it essentially is telling you what I've been telling you all for a little while now, which is that, you know, this is where it comes in. So with all this stuff happening at the Capitol and everything, I did post something that conspiracies can be dangerous. And there's a difference between, you know, unsubstantiated suspicion versus proof versus fact. We need to look for proof and fact. And this is less of a time where we need to um, rely on our suspicions and our assumptions and our gut on what might be uh, because the conversation's been elevated. Now we have Marco Rubio. We have the Senate Intelligence Committee looking at this. We have scientists in, uh, looking into this. We need to up our game. And the time for wild speculation and mythology is over. Um, you're just spinning your wheels when you're stuck in that. And I bring this up because, first of all, um, conspiracies can be dangerous, as we saw of what happened with the Capitol. Um, you don't, and, and what kills me is that a lot of people are demonizing people who have taken on careers that are very selfless, that are very altruistic. A lot of our public servants go into that role, and law enforcement go into those roles because they believe in protecting people, or educating people, or working for people. Um, when we come up with a lot of these conspiracy theories, often that's what we're doing is demonizing these people. Whereas when we look at the facts and when you follow the string, a lot of times things are complicated and people are making the best calls that they can for the right reasons. That's by far what I see the most is people making the best judgment they can make at the time for the information that they have at the time to do the right thing, not for money and fame, because that's not a result of what happens with a lot of these. Now, there are corrupt people. It does happen. And, and certainly um, that is a factor. 
But like when we take look at um, General Ramey in the the Roswell, New Mexico case, he covered up um, potentially more than just the Mogul balloon, this this top secret project. But he definitely covered up uh, what happened there. He lied to the public about what happened there, presumably to cover up the Mogul balloon top secret, or of course, as many people believe, to cover up something even more mysterious. But these are examples of people doing their job and doing the right thing. And you know what? Uh, I've asked, I knew Jesse Marcel Jr. very well, the son of the first intelligence officer who was on the scene. And he, he said his dad would, had no qualms about following orders. When they told him, we're going to tell them this weather balloon is what we saw, he said, yes, sir. And he didn't question. He didn't have regret. He didn't. He did what he was supposed to do because he was a good soldier, and he knew that the decisions being made uh, at the time were the right decisions being made. Of course, later on, he shared that uh, there was deception there because he felt, as time went on, the public should should know about these things. But um, you know, it's a lot of times it's people making the best decision they can at the time, um, and you know. The, what I'm getting around to is this whole idea of disclosure. We're in the middle of disclosure. Disclosure is happening. It's this big grand plan for disclosure. There's absolutely zero evidence of that. Zero, my friends. None. I have investigated, um, uh, among others, of course, but uh, including George Knapp, who we're talking about right here, of course. We've investigated this to... Uh, find how all of these things have come about. And I've written stories. One of the stories I wrote more recently that you'll find on the front page of Open Minds, uh, uh, on Open Minds is how these uh, intelligence insiders were able to get the Senate to pay attention with UFOs. That shows how they did it. This wasn't slow leak or slow drip. This was people who are insiders who are interested in this topic, who have been fighting for, in some cases, decades to get information out, having an amount of success um, and an amount of success that is substantial because now it's on the record. The military takes UFOs seriously, and that is huge because that has resulted in the Senate taking them seriously and wanting to know more. Behind the scenes, I know this personally, many scientists have come out of the work work and said, what? You know, they really believe this. Why do they believe this? Let's look into this because I'm interested too. A lot has gotten into the motion, but it's not this government disclosure type of stuff that the a lot of the UFO community is confused at. And here's the evidence. The evidence is, like I'm saying, the UAP task force is not, you know, jump chomping at the bit to release information. We've heard from the DOD that everything they look into is classified. What they're looking into is classified. They have no plans on releasing anything um, besides what the Senate has required, which is a report about UFOs and UAP. But this article that uh, was just posted yesterday by George Knapp shows that the, the guy in charge of the UAP task force has been uh, changed positions and that the rumors and what I've been sharing with you is the same, that we are not hearing that they really are going to take this seriously, that we're going to get a robust report 
about that's revealing things that are shocking or different. Um, it's looking like they're going to cobble something together that will just appease the public or at least appease the Senate regarding releasing this information. So people have asked, everybody sits back and they're like, oh, yeah, it's disclosure time. Hey, disclosure's happening to everybody. And we can just sit here and tweet and play on our computer and everything's going to happen for us. No, if you really want the disclosure you're talking about, if you really want these reports to be more robust, we have to tell the public we are the our politicians we care. We have to tell the Senate, don't let them get away with just some piddly junk. We want, you know, some robust uh, uh, research going on here. We have to tell uh, the UAP task force and the DOD, we have to make our voices heard. They've got to understand that there are people in the public that want that information. And that's not what they understand. What they think now is there's some UFO goofballs out there who want some more information. Um, and they're not, you know, that excited about appeasing that group. So until there is this outcry, until there is a lot of people asking for this, it's not going to happen. They're closing doors. They're, they're wrapping it up. Um, somebody asked, so what are the guys that left TTSA doing? Those two guys are Lou, Alexand or Lou Elizondo, who used to work for the Pentagon um, doing this UFO investigation under the program ATIP, which was a precursor to the UAP task force, and Chris Mellon, who also worked in intelligence. He worked for the Senate Intelligence Committee um, and, and essentially managing black projects and handling oversight of black projects. So uh, someone who's definitely in the know, what they're doing right now is they're in the background and they're out there talking to their contacts. They're talking to the people in the military. They're talking to those politicians. And there are lobbyists essentially out there right now trying to make sure that the UAP task force um, is doing what they need to do. And they're fighting a losing battle. They're two small voices in a whole world of an environment. And they're not alone. There are other people that are on their side that we don't even know about who are in the DOD helping them as well, trying to say, hey, look, we're interested. We need these to be real investigations. We need real research. We need more resources to do all of this. But that's what they're doing. Um, for people who are asking, that's what they're up to right now. They are trying to make sure that uh, this investigation is more robust. And uh, all the indications are, is that, uh, you know, they're, they're being met with resistance and that we might not be too happy, those of us who want more information with the results that are forthcoming. So there you go. Lou knows the people in the UAPTF. He certainly does. Some of them he knows very well. Have we found out why they left TTSA? The way Lou put it is that um, he kind of uh, implied that to the stars, uh, this company started by Tom DeLong, the rock star, former Blink-182, which uh, Chris and Lou went to go work with, try to get more UFO information out. Um, it's definitely served as a vehicle to get more attention to the topic, which helped them uh, in the steps that they've made in the last few years. But I would say that it seems as though uh, that uh, To The Stars is really going, is heavily focused on entertainment. And that uh, that's what their focus is going to be. And uh, before we judge, 
you know, it's very expensive. It's one of the problems we ran into with Open Minds. Open Minds used to have a staff. We used to have more going on. Now it's just a ho- kind of a hobby of mine. I've inherited some of this stuff and I do what I can. But uh, it costs money to do all of this stuff. And there's not much money in this field, contrary to what some people have said. There are some people out there, like Stephen Greer, who I mentioned earlier, who's charging thousands and thousands of dollars to take people out um, to look at planes and pretend they're UFOs. Um, I'm sorry, that happens. Uh, you know, and there are others that are other charlatans who are out there fleecing people for lots of money. And I would warn people, you know, uh, people complain about me asking for a couple bucks a month to see some of my Rojas report archives. These people are charging thousands of dollars. If people are charging hundreds or thousands of dollars for anything going on, that is especially, um, I would say, you know, be wary uh, because that those are the type of people who are making a living. They've got to come up with more and exciting news to keep you spending your money. Right. So, um, I would be cautious of, of, of those type of things. And um, uh, so my point being that you have to make money. Uh, and right now with To The Stars, their entertainment projects are really getting off the ground. Movies and, and TV shows that Tom has worked on developing, those are going to bring in money for To The Stars. We'll see what Tom does that. And, um, you know, but Lou, and and the reason I say this is Lou did say Chris and Steve, Steve Justice, the aerospace guy that was also part of the team. He said, Chris and Steve and I are not entertainers. Intelligence isn't our thing. That's why we're leaving. So now they've left. I know behind the scenes, they're, you know, they're not professionally, they're not getting paid for this, but now they're lobbying for us. And uh, which is a great thing. So definitely keep an eye. Uh, Lou Elizondo now has a public Twitter. Um, So does Chris Mellon. I would say keep a very close eye on it. Keep keep a close eye on mine. And I'll definitely, of course, share with you any developments that uh, come across on their end uh, as they come. But that's what they're up to. And that's what's going on with the UAP task force. Uh, like I've told people who keep saying, oh, disclosures around the corner. Here's the proof. They've been saying that ever since the New York Times article. And uh, we have seen more and more. But uh, typically, the UFO community has been very uh, unimpressed with what's come out. Um, whereas the people I converse with more and, and like more, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, I, I like to work with more, I should say, are the scientists, the the credible mainstream journalists, that sort of thing, they're amazed. I mean, they're thinking, wow, um, there's more information than I could have ever imagined coming out right now. And as we know, there will be more um, and their minds will continue to get blown. But, you know, we've got people coming from two totally different perspectives. um, And the the people from the perspective of there's nothing to this are getting blown away to find all this credible stuff that is out there, um, too bad they weren't listening to us before. Whereas the people are like, hey, you know, why aren't they telling us about Zeta Reticulants are, are d- disappointed because as far as I know and what I've seen, there's no evidence for Zeta Reticulants or any of that. So that's why they're not going to get into some of that stuff. So, yeah, some of you, a lot of you get it. You know, you're saying there in the chat that, you know, you have all these people saying all this stuff, but um Brian has said, I saw the UFO witness three episodes. Good show. Many questions. Great. So I'll be interviewing Ben 
uh, for Den of Geek next week. And I'll have him on the Rojas reports at, also at some point here too to talk about his show. I've got five episodes. I haven't watched any, but that's that's my goal for this weekend to watch Ben's show, all of the five episodes, and also finish my book on Avi Loeb. So let's talk about this. This is some of the other news that's been out there is uh, everybody talking about this Harvard scientist coming out with this book because he believes this object that came in and left, uh, you know, called Oumuamua was extraterrestrial. And this is really, really interesting because... um, Somebody asked, what's the biggest news on the UAP front line? I would say this is the biggest news right now, that we have this legitimate, highly respected scientist who believes that we had uh, a visitor, an object, cruise through um, close to the sun, uh, cruise through our solar system from somewhere else outside of our solar system, for the first time ever that we've recorded it, and he believes it to be some a creation uh, manufactured by an extraterrestrial civilization. I'm reading the book now. Um, he's very convinced, and I have a great lecture on how and why scientists believe Oumuamua are uh, is mysterious. In fact, Stacy Wright, who was on in the chat, thank you, Stacy. She runs. Uh, Phoenix MUFON, the Arizona MUFON chapter. And she invited a local astronomer to talk about this. And then uh, she allowed me to post that right here. If you're watching on YouTube, I've got that posted right here on YouTube. So check it out. It's free. It's it's down there. Um, you'll see it's about Oumuamua and this scientist talking about it. Because what's weird about this thing is that, first of all, it's very small, uh, relatively small. They think maybe about 100 yards wide or long by maybe 10 yards wide. Very odd shape. Typically, uh, you know, asteroids and comets are round or somewhat round and weird shaped, but mostly roundish, but not cigar-shaped, which is kind of strange. And they don't know that it's cigar-shaped or dish-shaped. In fact, um, uh, Avi Loeb uh, is arguing that it could be more flat and dish-shaped than, uh, than we know. But um, as this thing was leaving and accelerating away, it had a very slight deviation in its path. And that is unusual. That should not happen. It's almost like if you threw a football through the air, the football is going to move in a straight line unless some force acts upon it. That could be the wind or, you know, when you're with your buddies and you're screwing around, this is something guys do a lot of time. You know, you throw a ball at that ball that someone's going to catch. They can knock it out of the way uh, because you're being ornery, which, you know, young guys, we like to be ornery and screw with each other or, but it's going to move straight. If you've got a foot, if you've got, there's no wind, and your buddy throws you a football and it's coming at you. And all of a sudden, for no reason, it goes like this. What the heck? You're going to wonder, what did that? Is my buddy telepathic? What's going on here? I mean, no, that's PK. Is that telekinesis? Someone can tell me. Is he moving it with his mind? What's going on here? Um, so, you know, that's what they witness, And they don't know why it deviated from its course. Some people said it was struck. 
another was that perhaps it, it uh, spewed some gases. So, for, for example, a, a comet is full of ice. And comets, when they get close to the sun, you know, that ice will melt and start to evaporate. And if there's pockets on this comet, you know, that that steam streaming out of the comet will push it to go and it'll start to tumble or turn. But in a very, uh, you know, uncontrolled, herky-jerky way, I think he even uses that term. This thing didn't do that. This thing moved. uh, And as it moved from the sun, its change, of course, was... Uh, seem to be influenced by the sun, but how or why they don't know. Uh, but because of that major mystery, what caused it to move? It seemed to move on its own. Really, that's kind of the root. There's also other mysterious things. They don't know what material it could have been made out of. It is actually super reflective, extremely reflective. And here's the other thing. Uh, some of you may remember who are Open Minds follower that this uh, this Yuri Milner, a rich Russian guy, created this program called Breakthrough. And his idea was to send messages to aliens, to do more SETI work, uh, search for extraterrestrial intelligence and listening for aliens in different ways. Uh, he's really into extraterrestrial intelligence um, and finding it just like SETI is. Uh, but he also wanted to build spacecraft that we could send to Alpha Centauri, the nearest next solar system, and send messages and pictures back. But he wanted this to happen in his lifetime. So he tasked Avi Loeb to come up with a system. Avi did come up with an idea. And this idea is a solar um, solar sail. In fact, I think in Star Trek, that was the first craft uh, that we sent out that uh, caused the, the the Vulcans to come and and first contact to come and say, "Hey, humans! Now that you're interstellar, we can come say hi." But what this is essentially is something like this: my sticky note here, with a it's just a very thin, even similar in shape piece of material that the sun can hit, and it will push it along. Or we shoot a laser at it, and a laser pushes it along. And in the very middle, they have a tiny little, because it has to be extremely light in order for the light to push this to get to one-fifth the speed of light is what they're attempting. But right in the very middle, they have a tiny little microchip. And on that microchip is... uh, you know, a, an ability to take photos and gather information and send that information back to us. So that's what they want to do. And uh, that's what they're working on. That's called Breakthrough Starshot. So Avi Loeb already had worked on and done a lot of study of the solar sail concept. And that's why he believes this thing, although it was tumbling, this thing that came through, Oumuamua, was something like that. And it moved of its own volition when it changed Um, Of course. Now, he does think, and this is really interesting, too. So, uh, recently, uh, for, uh, um, I can't remember what show, sorry. I think it was was a History Channel show, um, an unsolved show. It's the one with Morgan Freeman. Uh, They're doing some shows on Roswell. And so, I interviewed, and I've talked to her many times, uh, Jesse Marcel's granddaughter, Denise Marcel. We were talking about that earlier. It was her grandfather was the first one on site in Roswell. I brought up how her father never said anything about alien bodies. This idea of alien bodies didn't come out until Roswell was famous. 
um, in the late 80s, it started really picking up steam and Roswell was around the world starting to become extremely popular. Then people come out of the word word claiming there were aliens involved with the whole thing. Um, I've got an article on Den of Geek where I talk about how Roswell got its alien, um, you know, uh, reputation. And uh, I told Denise, you know, your dad never said anything about aliens. And she said, that's right. My dad never, ever said anything about aliens. He knew nothing about aliens. And in fact, her belief is that perhaps what if Roswell was space junk, alien space junk? Um, just like we've got our Voyager probes that have gone way out there. You know, at some point, they may run across, you know, thousands and thousands of years from now, they may run across a planet and crash on a planet. And uh, maybe that's what the Roswell craft is, she thinks. Well, that's exactly what Avi Loeb thinks Amuamua might have been. It could be space junk. It could be alien space junk that has come from there and, uh, you know, went through our solar system. Another interesting thing I find is that Oumuamua was the first object we've ever recorded that came from outside of our solar system. Because for the most part, you know, you've got the sun here. Sun has a lot of gravity. Um, and everything we see is all this mass that is around the sun, um, floating around it. Even the things, the comets and stuff, asteroids, they may go way out, but they'll come back around. And then get flung out again, and they keep coming. So we rarely see them because they're in this weird um, orbit around the sun. So it's very rare because in the vastness of space, you know, it's um, I think four year light years away is uh, the closest um, next solar system. So there's just nothing in between. Um, so it's it's incredibly coincidental too that this thing, this small tiny thing comes straight at our sun, whips around it, and then leaves the solar system. But as rare as that is, it was only a few weeks after that event that another object came through our solar system. However, another interstellar, the second um, interstellar object we've ever recorded. But that one was more comet and asteroid-like. It was not as mysterious as Oumuamua. Um, Oumuamua is a mystery. So to have a scientist out there saying we got more alien or this is definitely evidence of aliens, I think it's pretty incredible. Um, first witness, Rodrigo is reminding me. Thank you, Rodrigo. That is the show that had the Roswell episodes. Lawrence Fishburne is the guy who is the host of that one. Morgan Freeman's the host of a different show. Um, I think that one's on National Geographic, which is also a great show. So, yeah, so a lot of interesting things there. Uh, let's see. I'm going to try to answer some more of your questions that I haven't gone to. But I got to say, and this is one thing I got to say, is uh, my even though the UAP task force, this is why having a more realistic idea about what's going on is helpful. I never put my hopes on, you know, any major crazy disclosure. Um, as you all know, what's been happening is along the lines of what I've been saying is probably going to happen because it makes the most sense from what I know. And from what I'm hearing from my friends on the inside. Um, and so that is coming about the way it, it, it is. Um, I'm not as disappointed. Uh, I'm concerned. I would, of course, like a more robust investigation uh, inside the military. 
but that investigation is um, his top secret. It's classified. I won't get that information. But, you know, I'm working with friends, especially at the Sci- Scientific Coalition or the, the Coalition Scientific Coalition for UIP Research, SCU. My, I'm working with them every day right now. I've been doing a lot of that lately, too. But you know what? We're working on some exciting stuff, too. We're not letting what has happened go to waste. We are capitalizing on the fact that scientists are coming out of the word work and interested in this. And what we're trying to do is coalesce those scientists, get those people together, give them a place credible place where they can talk amongst each other and then also come up with projects where we can look at and examine um, some of this information to figure out how do we get more data? How do we do more science around this to move forward? And certainly part of that will be advocating for the release of more data because as I've outlined it, I think there's three areas where we get data from academia, from the government, or from citizen science, from doing our own stuff. We've got projects on all three fronts in that we're engaging government, we're engaging academia. Hopefully, we'll get data and or projects started there, but at least at first we can engage. And then third, we've got our own projects where we're gathering data also. And uh, some of the data that we work with is government because you do have things like Project Blue Book that did have some data. All right. I don't see any other questions right now. So I think we will start to wrap it up. Count Dooku in Star Wars used a solar sail. Oh, yeah. Good point. My cousin, Jason Cordova. uh, He is awesome. One of my favorite people on the planet. My good cousin, my good buddy. Uh, Jason uh, Cordova also, you know, has had this crypto... Crypto science, tell me, I forgot. Tell me what the website is, too. He's got this group where they look into paranormal stuff in Colorado. Um, Professor Loeb was very supportive of data collection on UFOs in Lex Fridman's show, Rodrigo says. That's good to know. Will the UAP task force be the new Project Blue Book? No, in that, and it's a great question. And I think the differences between Project Blue Book and the UAP task force are very important. Project Blue Book was a public-facing organization. So Project Blue Book was, there were a lot happening in the 50s. And I highly, highly, maybe one of the, if not the most important book in this field is written by uh, Colonel Ruppelt, uh, which is his report on UFOs. Essentially, he started Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book, however, was the third project. Didn't start till the 50s, mid-50s, where there had been projects going on since the late 40s. But he reviews those other projects, how they started, his experience in Project Blue Book, and what they had discovered, and the ins and outs, which are fascinating. But Project Blue Book was public-facing. It was created for the public um, because of a lot of UFO sightings, very credible UFO sightings, that the public was very excited about and essentially insisting that the Air Force do something about it. So Project Blue Book 
was a PR thing. It was very, they were taking cases. They were trying their best to investigate them in some cases, but it wasn't anything the military really cared about or took that seriously. It was very public. Uh, it was very surface. Um, and when Project Blue Book ended, we have these memos um, that said, hey, don't, no big deal. We have uh, projects where the most important things go to anyway. They go somewhere else outside of Project Blue Book. So it doesn't matter if we don't have Project Blue Book. The UAP task force is more like that group, that secret group we didn't hear about. The reason it's been created is because Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon came out they outed that the Pentagon was looking into this sort of thing. And um, so that created this, you know, this, these questions um, and this, this push, especially with the Navy coming out and saying they take it seriously uh, and the Senate saying, hey, well, if you're taking this seriously, what are you doing? And Chris Mellon, you may know, he uh, in 9-11, he was involved with having all the intelligence agencies start to work together more and have one kind of oversight of the information so they would know what the terrorists were doing instead of all this stuff being stovepipes and all these intelligence agencies having information but not sharing it. And then on 9-11 happens because they weren't talking to each other. He tried to create a group, the UAP task force, or force the military into doing this or um, and they did to collect that information, but they are secret. They're remaining top secret. They're secret. They, they're, um, all, everything they're doing is classified. And so this is classified and not public facing. And that's the big difference. They have no um, desire to share with the public what they're doing. And it's upon us to change that. And I can tell you, SCU and myself and others will be coming at them a lot. Um, to say, look, you've got to share with the public. There's got to be some sort of public um, interface here uh, on this topic. And and so that's what we'll have to do. So I'm going to wrap this up. I've got to go, but thank you all so much for watching. Um, be sure to pay attention. I'll have more shows on next week. Like I said, I've got these interviews coming up. Go check out my interview with Tony Harris, please. Uh, it's really great. Um, you can see it on my Twitter or uh, I did share it on Facebook. If not, I'll do that. But uh, I'll also uh, put my link here. But um, thank you all. Oh, What do I think about the dog movie, the phenomenon and read statement? I don't know what you're, you mean about the read statement. There hasn't really been... Oh, I wrote stories. I mean, that's in my article, Christian. I'm sorry. We have already talked about that in previous episodes, so I'd watch those. But also, go to OpenMinds.tv and read my article about the I, the intelligence guys getting the Senate to take attention because I do re also talk about those statements, read statements and others. They are interesting. We can talk about that more at next episode too, especially if some news comes out related to it. But thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to check everything out. Check out openminds.tv. Check me out on, on Patreon. On uh, do join uh, the uh, if you're on YouTube, join below uh, to get all of the archives and interviews, including interviews with Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon. And uh, you guys are awesome. It's great to be back. I hope you guys had a wonderful holidays and I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon. Until then, 
Adios, mood, chachos. <laughs>